are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday as we are getting geared up for another great week when it comes to the podcast and Razorback sports and all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have some news coming up as far as some extra content and some extra stuff that I'm going to be doing. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, on social media, especially at Buzz John Neighbors on Twitter, so be sure to check that out. Um, now today, uh, th- there was not a lot of Razorback news going on, and uh, I know we'll have more to talk about the Razorbacks tomorrow as uh, they gear up for Arkansas and LSU in basketball. But uh, there was a national championship game last night, which I think all Razorback fans at least watched or were interested in, and I know I enjoyed it. I I, I enjoyed the game, and I, I thought Bama was going to win big, and they certainly did, and they certainly showed out for it. So it was just good to see. It was good to see a game, and it's just sad that college football has officially come to the end. But uh, it was a great run. It was a great year, and I'm glad we got it done and all of that. And, you know, to talk more about that game and to uh, discuss more about Alabama and Nick Saban and and just college football in general, had a very special guest uh, today on the podcast for you, and it's Tim Brando of Fox Sports, who's been around a long time. Many of you probably know him and have known him well, and Remember all the games they used to call for Arkansas. And so he's a very special guest. So let's just go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome in Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Tim, appreciate you joining us. How good did it feel, man, to finally have college football from beginning to end, got a full season in, and a national champion was crowned just last night? We got it in, and I think it was inspirational. And I think that a lot of young men across the country, even those that didn't play last night, uh, and even those that did play last night and, and didn't win, particularly Justin Fields uh, at Ohio State, who without his effort and work off the field along with his parents and his institutions likely would have never even had a chance to play any games, much less an opportunity of winning a national title. I, I think we learned a lot. You know, we oftentimes, um, I think, have to look at ourselves in the mirror, uh, particularly those of us that are, from, say, oh, gosh, Gen X to baby boomers where I am, and say, you know, maybe we need to watch our kids as opposed to uh, look back at ourselves, you know, that we can maybe learn from our children because uh, they fought through a lot more than I think maybe we could have, you know, back in the 70s if we had been facing a similar fate, uh, an international pandemic, the likes of which, you know, many generations had never seen. Uh, it was amazing, and, uh, you know, I, I, at the risk of, and I don't want to become political at all, and, and even last night when I said this on Twitter, um, some of my liberal friends were, were questioning me a little bit. I had no political ideology in mind at all when I said it, but it is noteworthy that there were a lot of, a lot of people uh, my age and younger that are in our business that were we're basically canceling the season and saying, you know, um, we, we shouldn't play. Uh, and they were wrong. (laughs) Let's just face it. They were wrong. Uh, the science said we could play, we did play and we should have played. And, uh, I think we need to look back at this and say, good for, good for them. Good for the players. Good for the coaches. And, and great for college football at a time when college football has a lot of 
things happening within it that's not that's not good. The fact that we did play was, and I and I mean that with all sincerity. I really do. Who were some of the players that opened some eyes last night? Now we knew going into the game, Justin Fields. We knew about him possibly being at the top of the draft. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, but maybe he increased his star a little bit last night as well. But who were some of those players yeah, that opened some eyes that maybe you didn't know much about in that game and that, that dominant performance last night? No, not really anybody. I, I thought everyone that – listen, there were top-round draft picks strolling across the field. And, you know, not all of them are with Alabama. Some are at Ohio State. Now, the Buckeyes had issues defensively. They were without two of their top linemen. Uh, Togi is a great player. They really missed his pressure. Uh, Matt Jones did turn it over one time. I sort of felt like if Ohio State had a chance to win, it would be because they got to him because of his lack of mobility. But Mac was great, and he he did step up. In fact, injured himself when he was getting away from pressure and taking advantage of uh, his elusiveness, if not great athleticism. And uh, and he played within himself and within Sark's offense. Uh, it, gosh, I, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I think Ohio State's tight ends uh, that were not used very much. Rucker is really good. Farrell's also good. I don't know how many people across the country know that much about them because the Big Ten didn't play a lot. They didn't play often, and they certainly didn't play early. But, uh, you know, everyone on Alabama's team is pretty much a known commodity. And, uh, you know, they're going to replace those uh, – Top round picks with more top round picks. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's where we are uh, in the CFP. What we've got now are basically three teams that are loading up every year. Uh, one north of the Mason Dixon line, Ohio State. Nobody recruits like they do. It's been this way since Urban Meyer got there. Uh, Alabama and, uh, and Clemson. And that's why we're not seeing in seven years of the CFP, we've only seen 11 teams, 11, just 11 play in the college football playoff. And that's one of the reasons why I think we need to expand this thing and get more in. Let me say one thing critically, because a lot of people on Twitter, particularly those that are anti-expansion, were saying, well, if they beat Ohio State this badly, what would they have done to Cincinnati? Cincinnati's defense was better. Cincinnati's secondary was better. Cincinnati's overall defense against the run, against ask Georgia, okay, who had to settle for field goals to barely get out of there with a win. Um, I think expansion, not because of we're trying to stop these dominant teams from being dominant, but engaging more fans and engaging more players, allowing them the opportunity to participate on the grandest stage in college athletics. Right now, unless you go to those chosen pure playoff privileged schools, you don't get a shot. And that's just wrong. Uh, we need to grow this sport. We need to expand and become more inclusionary into its championship process. Tim, if you're expanding, what's the number and what's the structure that you like? It's eight. And, and, and you know, that's the other thing. You, oh, it ought to be 16. It needs to be th-. No, no, no. Eight is fine. And we need to allow those conference championships to start meaning something. You know, conference championships on Saturdays need to, to, to matter. And right now they just don't. And uh, it's shameful that that's the case. We need to have the five conference champions in the Power Five, and we need to have three more, the best team of the group of five. Allow the group of five best team that's ranked the highest by the committee to have access into this thing. 
And then we have two wild cards, which enables teams that, you know, played great, but maybe didn't have a chance to play for their conference championship. It would allow for a team like a Texas A&M that, you know, you can make a strong case, particularly now that they're in the final AP poll, ranked number four, have a strong case to say, what about us? You know, why we, we had a, we had a loss to Alabama and, and who didn't lose to Alabama? Why, why can't we, you know, because we're, we're evolving. It also would allow for a team like a, an Oklahoma that got well and got Ramondre Stevenson and Perkins back, didn't have them early in the season, and they were a different team at the end of the year. Or Iowa State, you know, who lost to Louisiana early, but COVID issues were problematic for them. And listen, uh, let's, let's, let's allow more people into this party and engage more. And the, the Pac-12 hasn't been a part of this thing since Mar- Mariota played. You know, in 2014, we've got about 40 to 50 percent of the country that completely disengages from college football once their their teams are knocked out of the college football playoff. We'll continue our discussion with Tim Brando of Fox Sports here in just a second. But first, folks, college football might be over, but the NFL is still going strong. And luckily, you have the best place right here with the Locked On Podcast Network to go and check out betonline.ag. If you're going to be betting on the games, you're going to be watching the games, you're going to be enjoying the games, betonline.ag is the way to do it. If you sign up today, you get a free account at betonline.ag, and if you use the promo code Locked On, you get 50% off your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive 50% off the welcome bonus on your first deposit, whether it's the NFL games coming up this week. I know that the NBA games are there. Uh, we're going to have some other sporting events going on. College basketball is definitely in the mix, too. No matter what it is, be sure to check it out at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, Tim, I agree with you, because one of the things that's always bothered me about the current setup of the college football playoff, and this is something I've said forever, is find me a sport and any level and any league at any time, anywhere in postseason play where a team can go undefeated and have zero chance at a, cha- at a, t- at a title. Right. Like, it just doesn't right. make anything any sense to me. And I, I sometimes I feel like I'm the one taking crazy pills because I don't understand why other people don't see it this way and how much better the college well, football playoff could be. You know, you live in a college football area, and in, in, in granted, Arkansas has struggled, but it's in the SEC, okay? And college sports and college fans, are they're, they're tribal, okay? They always have been. So if you have this conversation with anyone that's just a casual fan, not a fan of a given school or a given conference, they're going to say the same thing that you and I are saying, okay, because they don't have a, an individual dog in the fight. The, the kind of tribalism we're talking about is we don't care what you have to say. Our college football is better than your college football. Our way of life is better than your way of life. That, that's what college football historically has always been. And, and, frankly, I love that. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I've been um, such a fan of and, and loyal to this sport. I, at no point in my broadcast career – that I ever consider doing the NFL over college football. I'm a college football guy through and through. Now, I've done NFL games. I did them at CBS. I did them. At, I still do them at Fox on occasion when they ask me to come out of the bullpen. But my bosses know that I'm a college football guy, and I think my value to them as a company is greater as a college football guy. But realistically, uh, college football is now getting about, and fans of college don't get this, 
college football is getting about one-sixth, maybe one-seventh of the audience of the NFL. College football may be a big deal in your area. It may be a big deal where you live. It's not as big a deal as it needs to be, though. You know, back during the BCS, college football was really growing. And one of the reasons it did, fellas, was because Boise State had a legitimate shot at making it to the national championship on two consecutive seasons, and they missed field goals. And one game was against Colin Kaepernick in Nevada on a Friday night. I'll never forget it. I was working at CBS at the time, and my ultimate fly in the ointment was going to crash the party. And I'm, tell- I'm telling you, every big-time fan of every big-time program was scared to death and pissed off, okay? <laughs> that I love that. We, <laughs> being scared of Cinderella is something that, the, the, the great teams, the titans of college football, uh, would be. And it would make for great conversation and enthusiasm. And it would engage the rest of the country that, if they don't have a dog in the fight, would always root for the underdog. You know, we don't have any underdogs in this process. They're all cut from the same cloth. They all come from programs and elite conferences. Their fans are spoiled. They believe that their teams are the best. And uh, there's no such thing really as an upset or a, a Cinderella story. Uh, and this past year during the regular season, I would contend to you that my favorite game, favorite game I watched was Coastal Carolina and BYU, a game put together in about 48 hours after uh, Liberty couldn't play. Now, imagine how, you know, game day thought so much of it, they sent their entire crew there. But, you know, the winner of that game vaulted all the way up to number 13 in the country. <laughs> they had no chance. Okay, no chance to get in. And that's just fundamentally wrong. We have got to make uh, an opportunity for these young men who put on their jock straps at the same time, pour their hearts and souls into the sport just as much as anybody else. We've got to give them an avenue to say, yeah, maybe we can pull this off. And an 18 format would do that. I also would love to see us bring college football's playoff back to the college towns so that. You know, in the regular season, the top four teams would be playing for home field. If you finish finish one, two, three, and four, you get your first game at home, and allow the fans of your teams to to be a part of the process. So it's not just a corporate bowl outing, you know. And then after we get to four, we go back to the bowls and allow them in rotation to have the semifinals and finals. I I think it would do so much to grow the sport, and um, and the greater access to the to the young men and maybe balance out the recruiting a little bit. Make it uh, maybe a little more balanced field when you go out to try to get players so that uh, if you're at an Arkansas or you're at a, a program in a top conference, uh, you're not battling that, well, you know, we're still in the West and we'll never be as good as Alabama. Probably, you know, on occasion might be able to beat LSU on a player, but rarely. You know, I, th- I just think it would it would level the playing field for everyone and make the sport so much more enjoyable, and bring in so many more fans. And that's the main thing. College football deserves it, and uh, we need to do it. We need to do it right away. Tim, we want to talk to you about a couple of other things, but quickly on that topic a little bit more, what's it going to take to get us to that point? Is it just let the current contract play out, or is it going yeah, to be well, a team like Notre Dame or Ohio State getting left out? Yeah, well, sadly, I, I think that's that's probably what, you know, that's what we're looking at here. I've, there was a, an article written by Nicole Arbach last week, end of last week, either Thursday or Friday. I was getting ready for my game, I think, in um, 
uh, uh, between Purdue and, and Michigan State in East Lansing on Friday night, and I read it. I, I just, you know, I was so proud of her. She's 31 years old, a great writer, uh, and she pointed out and she talked to all of the commissioners of all of the conferences, all 10 of them, Power Five, Group of Five. She talked to them and got, I thought, some really candid comments, even from Commissioner Sankey, who sounded a lot different when discussing expansion in the article than he ever had before. The, it's clear that this group as a consortium, the Power Five, uh, all of its commissioners now are discussing it. They know that that's the next step. Now, this contract does last for five more years. We just completed our seventh year. So in order for it to change, uh, ESPN's going to have to make that happen. They are the current rights holder. They're the ones that, you know, paid for 12 years. I believe it's a little over $5 billion for the contract. Now, look, uh, all due respect to my colleagues and friends there, they've, uh, you know, they were a vital part of my career history. I probably wouldn't be where I am today without the time I spent uh, at, at ESPN back in the 80s and cranking up game day originally. But some of what's gone on here with regard to the contract and what they're doing, I think is, you know, again, part of the problem. The, the who's in promotional campaign, to me, is problematic. Uh, we've dumbed down the national conversation on college football to just five, six, or seven teams. When you say who's in all year, that means out of 130 teams, we really only need to know about six or seven. Well, that's not good. That's not promoting the sport. That's not helpful. Um, we, we need to, 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 to think more openly about access for all of college football. If it's because the price tag in their mind would be too high and they're not willing right now to look at the contract, make some changes within it, because they could, there's fine print in it, they could very easily look at this and say, hey, we really need more inventory, and uh, if we had more inventory, we could create more revenue streams. Uh, what, do you, what do you say we do this? And that would be the initial conversation, fellas. Now, that, that's, a, that's a programming and business decision way above my pay grade, and I certainly can't speak for them, and I'm not going to defend them, uh, because I work elsewhere. It doesn't do me any good. Okay, <laughs> People are just going to say, oh, Brando works at Fox, and he's uh, poking holes at it. No, that's, that's not it at all. Um, I just think there's a way that you can find on both sides, whether it's spending a little more money and maybe getting an extension to your cut, whatever you need to do, do it. Uh, but it doesn't appear that we're heading in that direction. So uh, if we have to sit with this god-awful format for the next five years, then, then maybe my company can get involved <laughs> when the rights are up. I, I do think that, um, to be perfectly honest, just my opinion, uh, one of the reasons the NFL is so big, so big, and so vital to those in my business is because they're all involved. Okay, I was at CBS when they lost the NFL to Fox back in 1994. Well, they found out in a hurry they needed to get the NFL back. Okay. Uh, it happened to them. And um, I think that when you look around and you watch the playoffs, they're on, it, they're on everywhere. NBC, uh, CBS, ESPN, Fox. And that promotional aspect on all of those network carriers only stimulates its audience. 
uh, what was it last week? You saw Nickelodeon getting a, over two million viewers to extend to to younger audiences. That game with the Saints over the weekend. We need to be thinking in those terms and being progressive in college football. And uh, if the price tag is too much for one network to be involved in a in a an expanded contractual situation, well then, good. Let's get more than one network involved. Uh, that, but but again, that's. That's down the road. We're looking probably, you know, at five years before we get to that point. And, you know, I'm no spring chicken. I might, I might be on a cruise ship somewhere in the Bahamas by that time. <laughs> but I do think that it's um, uh, it's going to happen. It's just a question of when. If if I were the suits uh, in Bristol, I would um, I would start thinking about doing it now. But then again, I'm not. So you're talking to the wrong guy. But I do think we are going to get to eight. Uh, it's just a question of when. We'll continue our discussion with Tim Brando of Fox Sports here in just a second. But, folks, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the vehicles, it's really impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. So if you go to big box stores and you're trying to find some great car parts or at least the right parts for your vehicle, it's tough. But luckily, rockauto.com is the way to do it because not only can you save 30, 50, 100% as far as savings go on different auto parts from a chain store or dealership or whatever it may be, but you can go and check out a catalog that is so descriptive and so full of different makes and models, whether it's control models or brake parts or tail lamps, motor oil, carpet, doesn't matter. It's got all you need at rockauto.com. The prices are always reliably low. And it's the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see the parts that are available for your car, truck, and be sure to write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, last one before I let you get out of here, Tim, because we could sit here and talk to you about pretty much everything. But uh, one of the debates we've had on this show, and I know it's been on social media and even you've uh, commented on it, is about 2020 Bama versus 2019 LSU. Everyone's given their thoughts and opinions on who was better. What do you make of that argument in comparison between those two teams? Well, I think, you know, it's a fun debate. Uh, I've got no problem with Alabama fans believing that they're, that they're the best team ever. Um, it's certainly Nick Saban's best team ever. Uh, because he did it with offense and defense. You know, that that undefeated, untied team uh, in 09 that won the national championship, I think I think Greg McElroy threw the ball 11 times that game against Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, I mean, but the game's changed. It's evolved since then. You know, uh, in 11 years in college football, a lot of things change. But to Nick Saban's credit, uh, he was winning with defense and rush and a rushing game back then. Well, he was told, and I think it was in 2011 or 12, when he beat Clemson and had to score 45 or 48 points, whatever it was, to beat Deshaun Watson. I'll never forget in that that summer at coaches' meetings, Saban, because he was a defensive guy, was saying, is this what we want? Is this what college football has come to? You know, the whole run-pass option, spread offense, you know, sort of Hugh Freeze approach to things. And this is when Ole Miss was uh, making its move with Freeze and, and wide-open offenses were the, the new calling, uh, well, Nick basically got the answer, and the answer was, yes, this is what we're coming to. This is where college football is going. So he goes and gets Lane Kiffin, then he gets Sarkeesian, and he's got uh, Tua Tagovailoa, and now he's got Matt Jones throwing the ball like mad, 
and having to score 45 to 50 points to win championships. He has proven that he can do it both ways, which makes him really the greatest of all time. Um, but I don't think that this is the greatest team of all time. It may be his, it's maybe his greatest team. And you can argue that uh, Devontae Smith of my home state down in Amit, Louisiana, is the best wide receiver to ever play in a college football championship. I mean, he looked like, you know, Jerry Rice reincarnated out there. I saw Jerry Rice in the early 80s playing with uh, Mississippi Valley State and Willie Totten and uh, Archie Cooley was the coach way back in the day in the SWAC conference. And this kid's really no bigger than, 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 than he was as a wide receiver playing back in those days. Um, but, I, but I believe this, and I don't say it because I'm from Louisiana. I say it because that was not a COVID season last year. Teams and the depth of, of the conference was much better uh, in the SEC last year than it was this year. Now, the argument back, the great rebuttal, is, yeah, but uh, those non-conference patsies weren't on the schedule. Alabama had to play nothing but SEC teams. That's true. That's true. But the level of those SEC teams, particularly during COVID, what were they really? Okay, they weren't up to par. They were not as good as the teams LSU had to beat, including Alabama on the road, where they went 15-0 and uh, last year. So, uh, my opinion, I would put LSU above the Alabama 2020 team, but it's a great debate. It's a great argument uh, to have with your friends if you love college football. I also think those great teams in the early 2000s that USC had with Pete Carroll, you know, Lindell White and Reggie Bush in the in the backfield, and uh, Matt Leiner, the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. That was a run of, of three to four years of just sheer dominance. And, and the Miami teams that Jimmy Johnson had and Dennis Erickson had uh, that won titles, we really can't forget about those teams. I mean, we, we can't. I know it's easy because it's the most recent thing we saw to say what we saw was the best thing ever, and it was close. It's certainly in the you know, top three or four all time, perhaps. But, but I don't think we can just say, oh, yeah, that's the greatest team we've ever seen, ever. And no, I, I do not buy that, and I don't think that the accomplishment of going 12-0 uh, and 0 and winning a title in a COVID season matches up with going 15-0 and 0 and winning the way LSU did a year ago. And, that, and again, I don't know mano a mano with the, t- the two teams. Would it be great to watch night, the 19 LSU against 20, the, the 2020 Alabama team? Yeah, it'd be fun. It would be. But we can't. We can only talk about it. So I just measure the accomplishments. And to me, the accomplishment by Burrow and that team and the path they had to take to get where they got versus what Alabama had to do to get where they did, I don't think they're the same. I don't think they're the same at all. Well, it's definitely fun to talk about, and it was definitely fun to talk with you, Tim. I know that uh, you're you're jack-of-all-trades when it comes to the world of sports, and you're a great follow on on Twitter at Tim Brando. Appreciate you hopping on with us this afternoon, Tim. Enjoy the rest of the week, man. We'll catch up with you later down the road. It was my pleasure. Time to get into hoops, fellas. I've I've already had two one-point games and a buzzer beater, so (laughs) on we go to basketball. I can't wait. Appreciate it, Tim. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. You 
are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 